Welcome to Young Leaders Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping young leaders connect and grow. Welcome to the Young Leaders Podcast. Today we're wrapping up our conversation with Tim Corey about internet safety. We're going to be talking about some tools and ways that you can keep your church or business safe. If you haven't heard part one, go back and listen for some great information on keeping yourself and your family safe online. And if you're enjoying Young Leaders Podcast, make sure you subscribe. Also, let us know you're listening on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find us at YL Podcast. We'd love to hear from you and also answer any questions you might have. Now let's jump into part two. At church, at their business, whoever's listening to this, they may be thinking, okay, are we locked down? Are we doing the right things for our, our business? Sure. And, and I know you've had some experience in that through different uh, areas. Should it be open? Should it be closed? Are we really being like Jesus if we Wi-Fi, if we have a password on our Wi-Fi? <laughs> Because Jesus is all about sharing everything, Jesus right? Jesus is all about sharing everything. Um, I think he's a little smarter than that. Um, so, so yeah, so there's there's a balance here you're going to have to meet. Um, and that's one of those things where it, it's up to your certain situation if you want to have open Wi-Fi or closed Wi-Fi. Um, I, I see no problem with open Wi-Fi. Maybe even a simple password if you want to kind of try and limit people to only people in the building. You know, but that's fine. I mean, if you want to have an open Wi-Fi, I just wouldn't connect it to the rest of your devices. And it, it's still something you could put something like a circle or something similar for business yeah. uh, up against. We can say still you have to do safe search. You have to because you don't want your Wi-Fi being used for for negative purposes. Right. And there's some limitations you can put on that as well. You can say no one half an hour at a time to be on the Wi-Fi before you kick them off. There's yeah. some tools out there to do some of that. I know stuff. like our church has... I think that we have a guest account, and all you have to do is provide an email address. I'm a staff guy, so I don't ever have to do any of this. I'm not sure you have an email address. But I think mean, it's just, just accept the terms. Accept the terms. Yep. And then I think it's a two-hour limit, and then they kick you off, and you have to re-accept yeah, the terms. Yeah, I've grumbled over that a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at church a little longer than two, time, two hours sometimes. <laughs> so is it? would you say, hey, this is something, as a church, as a business, we should be knowledgeable about? I know that there's there's the thought... Is somebody going to hack your church and steal all the data of the givers or something? Um, is that something we should be worried about? How should we protect that? What's the... Oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean, definitely protect your, your membership. Definitely protect your people. With Wi-Fi specifically, maybe not so much um, because there's a great systems in place usually. Okay. Make sure they are. Um, don't use the same Wi-Fi for everybody. Okay. Um, have a separate, like you said, a staff network versus a guest network because that separation can be a clear demarcation line where no one crosses this line and so that right there protects you from hackers trying to sit in your church parking lot and you know right dial into somehow your um your giving yeah um, portal so but as far as the network itself goes you know especially if you're a small church who doesn't have you know an it person on staff or two people it people on staff it can be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, probably asking the 17-year-old boy who kind of knows computer stuff <laughs> to help you out may not be the full solution. Okay, um, Definitely have the kid help you. Yeah. I mean, that's a great time. Again, mentorship. Right. Um, bring him in. But there, does, there should be some kind of review process that goes on where you are making sure that things are locked down. Um, so you have a lockdown Wi-Fi if you have one for your staff side. You maybe say you don't even have a Wi-Fi for your staff side. I mean, that's a, a more yeah. safe solution. Right. Making sure you have passwords on your, your computers. Making sure that your server has good protection. Those kind of things are, are pretty important. 
If you do cloud-based stuff, make sure that you don't just have one password taped to the monitor. Uh, (laughs) You laugh. I've seen that. It happens more often than you think. Yeah. Uh, Don't do this. Um, Don't choose passwords that are like, you know, Bob. Um, Not a great password. He is one, two, three. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah. So, but Jesus is number one. Jesus is number one. (sighs) Solid. You actually just nailed pretty much one of the passwords we used to have uh, at one of the organizations I worked at. So yes, don't do that. Um, Good to know. Just keep keep them out of it. Keep them out of it. <laughs> keep Jesus on your Wi-Fi. So would you say it's it's worth the money to have a guy come in and kind of help set this stuff up, or do you think a savvy youth pastor could do it? So here's what I would do, um, and this. Again, looking at this from a, a cost-saving perspective, because obviously churches aren't exactly rolling in money. What, you, what I would suggest is, again, have a savvy 17-year-old help you. Yeah. Um, do your best effort at making this secure. Do a little research. Um, and yeah, have the youth pastor that's pretty good at tech help out that 17-year-old. Do it together. Set up as much as you think is possible as far as security and protection and all the rest. And then, yes, have someone come in and review it. Yeah. Um, but that way you're not asking someone, just do it. Right. Because right. that's the expensive process of, okay, we're going to do everything. Gotcha. But if you have someone come in and say, you know what, these are the five things I would do differently, that might even be something you could do, you know, across across the internet. You could have them, oh, you know, yeah. just dial into your network and, you know, go from there. That's really, that's really smart. I think that idea of, because it is, it's internet, so they can be anywhere. Right. And- just that whole idea of what do you think? What do you look like? This is what we're doing. So I think I really like that idea. Have you had to, in your times, try to persuade or talk? Because there is a generational gap uh, when it comes to technology. Sure. Talked through some of this. How have you helped to walk leadership through these conversations? Not to be a paranoid. Sure. Because we don't want to be like, hey, you know, somebody could come in and hack us and steal everybody's identity, but also not at the other side of like throw up a router and we're good. Right. So yeah, there's, there's always that conversation. You always have to have it because it's rare that you find an organization that, that has fully thought through and is, is, has arrived. Mm -hmm. Um, and part of that's because this is not your job. Okay. As a pastor, your primary focus should not be your network. It's just, just <laughs> if it is, you might want to rethink your job. Yeah. Um, just because, you know, again, unless you're a networking pastor, I'm not sure if they have those. But yeah, that's not your primary focus. Right. And so, yes, you're not going to be great at it. Even if you are pretty good at it, there'll be some gaps probably. And especially if, you know, you're a small church with one pastor or two pastors, or where you have, again, that generational gap of, I'm not even sure how to turn my computer on, but I just I just know that the secretary turns it on for me, and then yeah. I have my stuff. Yes, that conversation's hard because it's not you can't just come in here and say we need to do X and trying to do the heavy-handed stuff doesn't usually work. So it does take a conversation. It takes building some trust, and, and that's where there's some been some things that I've done in the past where I'll kind of demonstrate. Okay, here's here's what we could do. And I've already done it in one one area, mm. made that I'm allowed to have control over. Yeah. Just to show how it would work. And here's the benefits. So to be like the youth pastor of saying, Hey, we have lots of students, they love their devices. We set up this guest service so that it's got safe search on it. 
they have to accept our terms before they can get it. It kicks them off after a certain amount of time. Right. Um, and so we're, we're trial running this or we're experimenting with this. It seems to be working really well in the student section. Maybe it's something we would think about rolling out across the board. Right. Yeah. And you know, there's some things may take more investment, but Mm -hmm. for that kind of thing, that's really just your router. I mean, my router at home, which is not that expensive. I think I paid 70 bucks for it. Something like that. That one will allow me to have a totally separate guest network. Mm. Doesn't connect to my, my computers has no access to my other devices. It's just for the guests. So, you could do that. Just plug one of those things in right. for your youth area, like you said. And yeah, show off and show the benefits. Hey, you know what? If we do this, they're going to connect to our Wi-Fi and get safe search. Yeah. Well, if they if we don't do this, they'll be on data. If right. they're on data, it's wild, wild west. That actually upgrades our protection of our students. And that right there is, is a nice selling point. Hey, we can help protect our students. Right. We can help them. And then you can also have the conversation too, why is safe search on? You know, or stuff like that. Right. Um, but but yeah, then if you bring benefits, if you bring not just the we're gonna protect against the person we think might be out there but no one's really seen, then it, you have a better shot at it. So personally, you know, we have social media accounts and like Microsoft Office accounts and we're all over the place with our personal information and our personal data. Right. What are some what are some things that you're saying? Hey, as you're putting your stuff out there, as you're signing up for stuff, don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now it's don't do Facebook. Uh, that's that's a issue and a half right there. Yeah. Um, but that kind of raises some some good talking points. Right. Um, how much Facebook knows about us? Uh, so I approach it from a couple different aspects. Of course, I have my personal social media accounts, mm-hmm. but then I also have a business social media account. And one of the things that I do in my business is I have the Facebook tracking pixel. And so I can tell you when you came to my website and what you did, even if you didn't log in. So I know, okay, Carl came to my my main page. He went to my courses page. He looked at my course and said, nah, I'm not going to buy it and didn't buy it. So I can tell all that about you because of the Facebook tracking pixel. Right. There's stuff like that's happening behind the scenes that as a business is great. I have right. lots of insight into what you do. Maybe you didn't want to give quite so much insight about what you know right. what you're doing, so it, it is you have to be at least cognizant of what you're doing. Okay. Um, so that that step one is yes, you are allowing them full access into your life and all the connections that come along with that. That can be a little scary, but then it's also a matter of which accounts do I sign up for and which ones do I not sign up for. Personally, I've never been on Snapchat. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those things where the thing that's scary the most was the idea that the images went away. Right. Now, I know they don't go away. I know that's that's the reality. They're stored, yeah. They're stored somewhere, and yes, they're not permanently gone. Right. But the idea that someone could say, hey, Tim and I have been doing this. Right, right. And the evidence is all gone because... Because it's snapped. It's, yeah. it's, it's gone. That scares me. Yeah. Now, I know Instagram does something similar as well. And so... those Yeah, because they now do... They do stories. delete... Right, and I can send you a picture, and it'll delete after 24 hours unless I say, "Keep the picture in there." Right, which I, going back to kids for a minute. I mean, that, that's that's awful, and that's on Instagram. Right, like, and that's a quote unquote safe platform. Right, but but we're teaching our kids that you know 
what you do goes away. Yes. And no, it does not. It does not. There, it, there is yeah. an image somewhere of you. Yep. Sorry. So I just said, you know what? I'm not going to do Snapchat. Mm-hmm. I don't really care to do Snapchat anyways. Right, uh, right. In fact, I have an Instagram account, and I, I logged into it about a month and a half ago for the first time since like six months ago. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's just I just don't use it. I use Facebook just to watch people, you know, right. friends and see where they're at and that kind of stuff. Um, that sounded a little creepy, didn't it? It's what we all use yeah, social media for. Is um, stalk. I'm stalking, yeah. That, we're real here. Sure. Young leaders uh, podcast. <laughs> but, but yeah, so be careful in which, which profiles you open, yeah. uh, what you expose yourself to, because you can put yourself in situations that you don't want to be in. I don't hang out alone with females. Right. I just don't do that. It seems a little awkward, but why would you you know, go in a car in a dark parking lot with a female? Right. Alone. It, There's dumb. one reason you do that. Right. And it's not a good one. It's well, not, so yes. we're doing that digitally. We're doing that online digitally. Right, right. Uh, where I can have a conversation with a woman who is not my wife, where no one else can see, and the evidence goes away. Tell me that's not dangerous. I mean, that opens you up for so many problems. And so a great guardrail is just don't have that on your right, phone. Right. Just don't even have it there because it's just it's, it's dangerous. It's, you know, I have guys like you and... Um, my other mentors, Lamar and Stefan and um, and Tony, who who I communicate with and talk about stuff with. Um, but my wife also has access to everything on my phone. Right. She knows the passwords. She gets in. You know, my iPad's at home. Right. And my wife's using it. And she's seeing my text messages. Yep. So we're having a gift war. <laughs> and, uh, and she, But she's on my Facebook. Right. She's on my Instagram. She has access to, to my accounts. Would you say, I've done this, and if you're if you're wondering, if you're having a hard time, Google safe search. Uh, right. Or, you know, shoot us a message. We'd love to help you. Hey, here are some tools we've used, or here are some personal um, boundaries that right. we've kind of set, that we've kind of said, hey, this is just not because anybody's told us, just because it's wise, what we feel is wise, and you can... Use that as a consideration because we'd love to help you navigate that and swerve away from the potholes of internet dystopia. Sure. Uh, so what are some tips or tricks you've used to kind of help the internet be a positive part of your life, Tim? Well, number one tip or trick is to be a positive person. Um, and that's, that's, that's not, yeah, I know, mind-blowing well, right Mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> so I run a YouTube channel. And I actually had a conversation with one of my um, people that was following me uh, the other day. And they said, you know, how great it was. And how, it was a, just a real positive thing. And I said, you know, it encourages me because normally forums, especially YouTube, but in general, forums are a miserable place. Yeah. That's where all the hate, the anger, the bile comes out. Um, MSN.com actually shut off their their comments. Oh, really? They're like, we're done. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because, because you're not associated with a real person identity, you can say whatever you feel like. Yeah. And so the, the worst of the inside of you comes out sometimes. So anyways, my YouTube channel isn't like that. Yeah. I have a ton of people who are, it's positive comments, it's encouragement, it's even somebody else has a problem, other people are encouraging them. Mm. And... I can probably name maybe five times I've had a really negative person comment on thousands of posts. Yeah. And part of that is I've always encouraged that. I've always encouraged the positive. Um, and so when someone got irritated at me, 
I didn't respond with, well, you idiot. <laughs> I am the expert and you are the, yes. you know. What I respond with is an understanding of who they are and a separation of their frustration from them. You know, I had a person that contacted me, my website, um, locked them out. They had bought one of my courses, they wanted to watch it, and it locked them out. Mm. And the opening line was, I'm ticked off of the email. And so I had a choice then. I can respond back, well, you idiot. You <laughs> used the wrong password three times. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. And so I had you know, a, a more civil conversation. I understand that. You know what? I get the fact that you sat down to learn something from me. You paid for this, and you couldn't get in. That's frustrating. So I get that. And so actually in their password, I made reference to it. So I reset their password for them. I kind of made reference to it. And they responded back right away. First of all, I appreciate your response. And I can't be mad at you. But I can see that you have a sense of humor about this. Yeah. You know, well, that right there turns the person from being, I'm ticked off, to we can laugh about this. Right. Right. We're all human. We all make mistakes. We all have problems. And so the next interaction I have with that person will be much more positive. Me not responding to the negative, me trying to understand they're a real person going through real struggles and trying to have empathy yeah. allows then me to be the one that turns the corner first and then they can follow along. So you have a business. I do. And uh, and you're super kind about it. And I've been able to watch it from afar. We've talked a lot. And you've actually helped uh, get the our website up off the ground and directed us to some smarter things. But what is your, what is your business? What do you do? So... About, oh, four or five years ago, um, I was teaching a class, and I teach programming. So it was a um, programming in C-sharp class. And my students needed some way. We had a class once a week. And so I'm like, you know, it's just not enough FaceTime. Because you know how it is. Six days after class, you have no clue. I mean, think about Sunday morning, you know. Yes. Oh, I know. Yeah. So... It's the same kind of thing. I had three and a half hours of lecture, essentially, and then six and a half days of dead air, mm. and then come back to three and a half hours of lecture. And so I created some videos, just some low-key stuff, and that kind of started some people on the internet. Because I, I just did it just for my class. Right, right. And some people on the internet were like, this is kind of cool. And so that kind of snowballed. And so right now I own a or I run a YouTube channel, uh, about 22,000 people or so. And I teach new developers how to learn C-sharp the easy way. Mm. Um, and so I actually have a website, too, where I sell some courses to kind of to kind of build upon some of the stuff that I teach. But my passion really is to help the people that were like me. Because right. I struggled through it. I, I've been in software development for 20 years. I spent probably the first 15 of it wondering, am I doing it right? right. Yeah. Because no one really mentioned me. No one really helped me yeah. in a way that made me feel complete. I mean, right. people did mention me. So I'm trying to be that mentor for people. I'm trying to help them out. And, and they really respond to it. Yeah. And so you can go onto your website, I am Tim Corey. I am Tim Corey.com, YouTube slash I am Tim Corey, yeah. Facebook slash I am Tim Corey, Twitter is at I am Tim Corey. <laughs> you know, so it's uh, so you a theme can, there. We'll, uh, we'll link to that in the show notes and we'll put up uh, links on our social media as well. So if you're interested in learning about coding, trying to understand it better because it, it's so critical now. Well, it it's something that we, we're starting to put in schools, which I love. Yeah. Um, but not for the reasons of we're creating coders. 
Uh, and that's one of those things that people don't really get. The, the benefit of learning to code is all about that logical thinking. The idea that I can break down a problem in a small little bits and conquer it logically. Uh, because that's something that I have students come to my class and they're, they're freshmen and sophomores in college. And I ask them a simple logic problem they can't, they can't answer. For example, I'll ask them, okay, you're sitting at your chair right now. What are the steps it's going to take for you to write in the whiteboard? And the response is, I write in the whiteboard. Well, no, you have to, you know, push your chair back, stand up, walk around the desk, walk to the whiteboard, pick up the whiteboard marker, take the cap off, actually write in the whiteboard, put the cap back on, walk back to, I mean, that's even a simple version. There's a whole lot there. And they just, they can't get, oh, there's all these steps. And so when it comes to telling a computer what to do, they can't do that because they don't think through all the steps. And so coding teaches you that critical thinking that's uh, logical thinking and it allows you to kind of see in the future a little bit yeah. because you're thinking through if I do this then this will happen then this will happen then this will happen so if I have five dollars left in my bank account and I buy a cheeseburger at McDonald's which is going to cost probably four dollars then I can't afford to buy gas and my car is on empty to get home or to get to my job to get more <laughs> get money, more money. Uh, yeah. And so just that, that thinking process. And so that's that's why coding is in schools now is, right. again, that thinking process. It, it's great to be able to yeah. teach kids that and, and adults too. I actually have I have some students who are as old as 80. Yeah. Uh, they're taking my courses, just want yeah. to learn something new and grow their mind. And that's and if you're a, a leader of any time trying to figure out those steps, especially the bigger the organization you get, the more you have to break it down. Absolutely. And say, here's step one, step two, step three. And it also helps us to teach people critical thinking skills. So I don't have to answer all of your questions. Where are the chairs? <laughs> or we need more chairs. I hear, You hear that all the time. We need more chairs. You can go get more chairs. You know where they're at. Right. You know how to move them. You know what it's supposed to look like. You don't need me, my permission. Well, you can, you can hand them the end result and say, this is the end result I want. Right. And then they can fill in the rest. Right. Uh, because it, it really does... If you think it through, it's not that hard. You know, <laughs> setting a room up is not that hard if yeah. I know, okay, I had five tables set up in this configuration, and I need these three things. Just I can it. just do that. Just do it. So we always end our podcast with one question. If you could travel back in time and tell young I am Tim Corey one thing. Now, you don't have a ton of time. You can't go out to, like, Olive Garden and kind of debrief everything. You're in a DeLorean. You have, like, 45 seconds and then you're ripped back to this day, what would you say? That's a hard question in some ways. A um, couple things I'd, I'd probably first encourage myself okay. um, because especially as young Tim, doesn't feel great. You know, yeah. how, you know where's life going to go? Um, so encourage him even, you know, I didn't go my career track. Mm. I was being an electrical engineer. That didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. um, I actually dropped out of college after a year. Mm. You know, is life just over now? Um, nope. It's actually better. You know, God had a plan for me. Uh, I wrecked my car. What's God doing? God had a plan for me. So um, I guess I'd encourage Tim that life gets better. Um, But then also stick with it. Yeah. Um, Because small decisions over time lead to big results. And I think hopefully you can hear that, apply that to yourself. Thank you guys so much for sticking around, listening to the Young Leader Podcast. And as always, rate, review, uh, subscribe. And if you have any questions you want to learn more 
or if there's something we missed and we need to get back together in this room and talk about internet safety and, and learn more, send us your questions. We'd love to help you and equip you. Or if there's another topic that you'd love to, us to talk about, we want to connect with you. But until next time, we'll see you later. My name's Carl. I'm Tim. And we'll see you.